When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Fish Bites, the Miami Herald's Miami Marlins podcast. I'm Jordan McPherson, back after a one-week hiatus. Yeah, sorry about missing last week. Schedule got a bit hectic on me. Long story short, turned around midway through that Marlins Cub series left on Sunday to come back down to South Florida and help out with the Panthers Game 3 playoff coverage. On that note, heck of a job by the Cats moving on to the Eastern Conference Finals for just the second time in franchise history. But yeah, flew back Sunday, covered that game, and then flew out to Phoenix Monday to pick back up on the road trip and watch the Marlins take two of three against the D-backs. So a lot of traveling, schedule got the best of me, and by the time it was time to record this Monday night slash Tuesday morning, it was just was not going to be the best product, so figured best case was skip a week and then just come back and look back at everything and do two weeks in one. So here we are. With that, Miami is now 20 and 21 in the season, dropped two of three against the against the Cubs, one two of three against the Arizona Diamondbacks, and then have and then just lost two of three against Cincinnati Reds, winning the finale on Sunday. They're 20 and 21 at the time of this recording. They're staying afloat in the National League about a quarter of the way through the season, which given how a few things have transpired, the fact that they're still in it, take that as it is and see what they can do moving forward with about three, three quarters of the season, 121 games left. Uh, Going to dive into a good amount this season in this episode. But first and foremost, let's start with the biggest news for the Marlins in the long term in Ari Perez. Uh, the club's top prospect, number seven overall prospect, 20-year-old wonderkin, six-foot-eight flame-throwing righty. And insert whatever adjectives, superlatives you want to about this kid. Made his major league debut on Friday. There was a lot to like from it. I'm going to say that right from the start, but also a lot that remains to be seen about what he can become in the long term. Let's start out with the positives because there were a lot of positives. He looked legit. He was composed on the mound, which was a very good bright spot for me. Jacob Stalling said that it was probably the best case scenario for how we attacked considering the situation he was coming into. Fastball topped at 99.1 miles an hour. Both his breaking balls, his slider and curve look good. Only through a couple changeups, and the changeup is arguably his best pitch, but the matchups and the situations didn't really predicate him them throwing the changeup as much, so Stallings didn't call it as much. But even with that, Perez still induced 16 swings and misses. He wasn't afraid through every pitch with conviction. And in the grand scheme of things, that is what you want to see from a guy 20 years old, still in a sense, raw relative to where he could be at the time of making his debut. But with all that said, there are still some barriers he's going to have to break as he moves forward. And just how far the Marlins go in letting him attack those barriers is going to be worth watching. The main context surrounding where Pettis stands in his development, this is just his third year of Pro Bowl, guys. He signed in 2019, but that was still back when it was the summer signing. So he was 
not to the point where he couldn't get into the Dominican Summer League in 19. Obviously, 2020 was the pandemic year. There was no minor league ball. So he didn't really make his formal pro ball debut until 2021. He's only made 45 career starts, including his outing on Friday. And of those 45, he's only made it through six full innings four times. He went four and two-thirds innings on Friday, gave up two runs, both of which were on solo home runs, and he struck out seven guys, only walked two. He's never thrown more than 90 pitches in the game. On Friday, he got to 88. That 88th pitch was a home run that ended his outing. And Marlins manager Skip Schumacher said that most likely, barring something unforeseen, Perez is probably not throwing more than 100 pitches in any game this season. And that's also because of, again, where he's at in terms of his arm strength, his history, his buildup history. And the other thing, total innings pitched during those first two full seasons of pro ball, 78 innings in 2021, 77 innings in 2022. He missed about a month with an arm injury last year that, again, stopped him from potentially getting to that 100, 100 plus innings pitch mark for a season. He's already at 35 and two thirds this season. I would assume he's able to get to at least 100 this year, but it's going to be a balance of how far do you push him and how much do you hold back because this guy is part of their future. He's the number seven overall prospect in baseball for a reason. So it's going to be seeing how much they balance that fine line. And a lot of people are going to be keeping eyes on him internally between Schumacher, pitching coach Mel Stoudemire Jr., general manager Kim Ang, the training staff, a group in the front office. He's going to be monitored every step of the way to make sure his long-term well-being is taken care of. And with that said, let's hear from Eddie Perez himself from his post-game interview following his MLB debut on Friday with the help of team interpreter Luis Durante Jr. Gary, getting to make your big league debut, how would you describe both maybe the excitement and the nerves when you were taking that medal? Eury, the opportunity to make your debut in the big leagues, how would you describe those nerves and emotion that you felt? It was incredible, in fact. First of all, thank God to the team who gave me the opportunity. And no, I'm a little nervous to do it the first time and compete with those veterans there. Eh, tratando de dar lo mejor de mí como siempre, salí ahí a competir con ellos y gracias a Dios para mí fue uno de los mejores juegos de mi vida. Very very excited to be honest, uh, but first of all I want to thank God, I want to thank the team for the opportunity. Um, going out there was a, an unbelievable experience to deal with, uh, play against these veteran players. Uh, the emotions were all over the place to be honest, uh, but I was able to control it. And to be honest, it was one of the greatest games I, I pitched in my life. Jacob Stalling said earlier that that was one thing he was focused on, was helping you control those emotions, also balancing when to let you kind of call things versus when he should maybe take over a little bit. What did you think of the way that he called the game and, and the way the two of you worked together? Stalling commented anteriormente that he was working a lot on controlling emotions de, de manejar el juego, dejarte a ti hacer algunas decisiones, pero también el tomar algunas decisiones cuando tenía. ¿Qué opinas de cómo, cómo manejó el, el partido de hoy? No, tremendo trabajo, tremendo trabajo ahí ayudándome. Eh, me ayudó demasiado, en verdad, en cómo, en qué, qué conteo tirar los lanzamientos y qué hace en cada, en cada picheo y eso. Y sí, controlando mis emociones, como él dijo, eh, estaba muy emocionado. 
quería hacer, dar lo mejor de mí, como siempre. Y no, gracias a él por, por el trabajo que hizo conmigo. Um, yeah, outstanding job, I can say. Um, he did a great job uh, managing uh, uh, different counts, where, which pitch to use in different counts. Also, he understood the movement of my pitches, so location as well. Um, uh, again, outstanding job to, to, like you said, he, he helped me also manage my, my emotions, and uh, I'm very thankful for all he did today. What have the last three days been like for you, and has it sunk in yet that you just made your big league debut? Este, ¿Cómo ha sido tu último tres días para ti? Y en realidad ya tú entiendes que eres Grandes Ligas, hiciste un debut en Grandes Ligas. Ahora, ahora que lo estoy cantando un poquito más, porque no me lo creía todavía. Eh, muy emocionado todavía. Eh, este es mi sueño y gracias a Dios lo estoy cumpliendo. Eh, ahora que falta, ahora por correr y mantenerlo aquí con la ayuda de Dios. Yeah, right now it's kind of sinking in trying to out that uh, I'm a major league player and I, I made my debut, but uh, there's a lot of road uh, ahead of me and uh, there's a lot of things to do. And, and with God's help, uh, I'm going to continue playing and will be uh, baseball. What will you remember most about tonight? What do you think is what you remember this night? Oh, the first punch, obviously. Eso fue increíble, eso es lo que estaba buscando en verdad en el primer inning y se dio, fue algo muy emocionante para mí. I would say my, uh, my first strike out on the first inning, uh, that's what I was looking uh, to get and it was incredible, I, I will never forget that moment. Sandy Alcantara said that there was going to be a party in the Dominican Republic tonight. You had a lot of people watching from the DR, including your family. What do you either want to say to them or, or you know, what does it mean to have all of that support? Sandy comentó de que hoy iba a ser una fiesta en Dominicana, todo el mundo viéndote a ti eh, lanzar, incluyendo a tu familia. Eh, ¿Qué mensaje te gustaría enviarle a esa fanaticada y a tu familia? No, que gracias por el apoyo, estaba viendo los videos de ellos ahora y se sintió demasiado bien que ellos me están apoyando desde allá. Ya que no pudieron estar aquí, nada, una emoción demasiado grande y un abrazo y un beso a todos allá y gracias por el apoyo. Well, thank you. Thank you for the support, as always. Uh, I saw a few videos. They were watching the game over there. Um, and, and, again, it's just that, that support that everybody has given me. I appreciate that from the bottom of my heart. And, and I, thank, I thank everybody for, for that support. First out, first strike, I got a couple balls. Where are you going to be putting them? La pelota del ponche. Esa pelota la debes tener donde la vas a poner. Si te la dieron. Uh, bueno, sí, eh, la voy a poner en mi casa normal, ahí, con, con los premios que tengo, y la voy a guardar muy bien porque es algo muy importante para mí. Yeah, uh, they gave me the ball. Uh, I'm going to save it, put it uh, in a little case uh, near my other awards that I have at home, and, and it's, it's a special one, so I'm going to keep it. Uh, did, has it, Pero me siento demasiado bien conmigo, con el trabajo que hice y con el equipo que me ayudó mucho. Eh, me siento orgulloso y dándole la gracia a Dios siempre.
Um, I will say I, I was trying my best today. Um, not fully all the, the expectations. I was hoping to pitch a fifth inning or sixth inning as, if it's possible. But uh, I'm very thankful for, for all the team, the support, everybody, and the opportunity. And, uh, and yeah, we'll continue to keep working hard for, for the well-being of the team. Yeah, just that big picture and talking about one going to the fifth or the sixth, just where you are with in terms of your development, knowing how many times you've pitched deep in the games, just where do you feel like you're at physically in terms of trying to go deeper into games long-term, down the road? Hablando de ese quinto o sexto inning, o sea, ¿cómo tú te sientes en tu desarrollo físico, me entiendes, de eso de ir aún más allá en el juego, tal vez de lanzar ese quinto o sexto inning? No, me siento, me siento bien, me siento bien, todo estoy listo para salir. Uh, el equipo no, no tomó esa decisión de que yo pueda salir a ese inning y hacer esa cantidad de picheos, sino eh, ellos toman la decisión de esa cama y yo lo hago. So, estamos ready para pa, pa cualquier cantidad de inning y espero que en la próxima se me dé la oportunidad. Yeah, I feel great. Uh, physically, uh, I think that's a decision that the team uh, will make, uh, the amount of innings I pitch or the amount of, of pitches. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'm just hoping for the next next um, uh, outing to probably go out there and pitch six innings if, if God allow me. All right, and once again, congratulations to Eric Perez and making his debut. His next outing is either going to be, it looks like either Thursday or Friday, the Marlins pregame notes at the end of the Red Series had Thursday, which is where he would be scheduled in as to be determined. So whether it's they're trying to give him extra rest and give him and basically try to stretch between starts as much as they can, that's one option. Or they could throw him out there Thursday to close out their homestand against the Washington Nationals. Either way, it's looked like Thursday or Friday will be the next time out. And with that said, there is also no guarantee that Pérez stays in the big leagues full-time. And that's a factoid that kind of brings us into the next topic of discussion for this episode. One of the main reasons the Marlins called Perez up when they did was just because of the state of their rotation. The groups without Johnny Cueto and Trevor Rogers right now, Cueto right biceps injury, Trevor Rogers left biceps injury. So that was two spots he needed to fill. Braxton Garrett has filled in the Cueto spot fairly well, all things considered. But once Trevor Rogers went down about a month ago, Marlins have been just trying to fill that gap as much as they can. They've been doing bullpen days. Ryan Hoeing came up and was used as basically a three-inning guy, even though the Marlins have been prioritizing him in the bullpen, not in the rotation. So it got to the point where the Marlins said, okay, if we're going to be doing this, let's at least have Eric Perez come up and then Brian Hoeing can piggyback behind him. And with that, the question becomes, what will the Marlins do once either Trevor Rogers or Johnny Cueto is ready. Uh, Rogers is the farthest along in his progression. He threw a bullpen session on Saturday. Cueto was at the point where he was doing rehab outings. He got to his first rehab outing last weekend, but he stumbled trying to cover first base, rolled his ankle. He's not throwing right now. So he had the, the other setback. So we'll see just how long that takes. And the Marlins could, their options, when they once they get to that point, they could do a six-man rotation that was discussed even all the way back in the spring training. Perez could go back to the minors, on, or if Perez forces the Marlins' hands, has a few really good starts, and shows them that he belongs, 
he could force the Marlins hands and have them make a decision about what's best for them overall. We'll see how that develops, but the injury part with Cueto and Rogers is just the beginning of where the Marlins stand and the injury bug is hit them hard. Uh, obviously, Garcia has been on the IL for a little bit of back tightness. Jesus Sanchez went on the IL Sunday with a hamstring strain. And Jazz Chisholm Jr. status is still up in the air as he deals with turf toe after running into the wall trying to make a play in the eighth inning on Saturday. Chisholm went to see a foot specialist on Monday. The results of that visit are still undisclosed as of the time of this recording. And that means the Marlins are down anywhere from two to three of their main outfielders at this point. And with that, that means the likes of Brian De La Cruz, Peyton Burdick, Gary Hampson, potentially John Birdie getting some outfield time, uh, Jorge Soler potentially getting time in, in right field and the DH spot opening up. They're going to have to find different permutations, different combinations to make sure that they're maximizing the value of who they have while some of their big guns are sidelined. On the other side of that, Gary Cooper returned on Sunday after missing two weeks with an inner ear infection that gives some depth back into the lineup. It gives them again, between him and Yuli Uriel gives them options at first base. And if Soler ends up having to go into the outfield, Cooper can always slide to designated hitter and Guriel can go into first base. And meanwhile, still on the injury front, AJ Puck, he's now on the IL left elbow nerve irritation or inflammation. I've got the exact terminology. That's a big blow. He established himself as their closer was the guy they got in the trade from with Oakland for J.J. Bleday. And while Puck is sidelined, that really, that shifts everyone's role in the bullpen. Dylan Floor now goes from the primary eighth inning guy to the closer. Uh, Tanner Scott, Mac Barnes, and Steven Oker, who were some who were backup options for the late inning setup roles, are now going to be primary setup guys, along with uh, J.T. Chagois, who has been gone for a bit with an oblique injury and is set to return at some point this week. So they still have options and they still have depth for high leverage guys. But when you lose your guy, who's been the closer and the one that basically everybody knows is getting the ball in the ninth inning, that's tough. And it's going to be interesting to see how the depth picks up for that loss, similar to how those guys in the setup roles filled in for JT Chagual when he was gone. And regardless of who takes over what roles, be it the outfield, the rotation, the bullpen, the Marlins have reached a point in their schedule where, on paper, they have to capitalize on this next stretch. Their next 10 games are all against teams with sub-500 records. Tuesday through Thursday, they cap a homestand with the Washington Nationals. Friday through Sunday, they're on the road against the San Francisco Giants, a team that they've already taken two of three against. And then they have four games against the Colorado Rockies in Denver for the second uh, second series of a three-city road trip. That road trip caps off with the Los Angeles Angels, we're hovering just above 500 at this point. And again, like I said, at the top of the episode, Miami's staying afloat in the league and in the division. As of the time of this recording, they're third in the NL East, a half game behind the Philadelphia Phillies, who, again, as of the time of this recording, had not started their Monday night game on the West Coast against the Giants. Miami has won seven of its 13 series so far, and seven of the nine that are not that are against teams that are not named the Atlanta Braves and New York Mets. This is an opportunity, this next 10 games, for the Marlins to make a splash. Will they? Will they take it and run? Or will this be a repeat of last year's May where things fell apart as the roster started to get hit with injuries and they find themselves in a hole? 
it's looking like he's going to go one way or the other. Which way will they go? We're going to find out. And with that, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Fish Fights. Thanks so much for tuning in as always. And make sure to check out everything else we have to offer on the Marlins front on MiamiHerald.com. Nowadays, I'm basically writing at least two stories a day, a combination of analysis, games, recaps, and features, plus the usual weekly minor league roundups that go up on Monday. With that, we'll be back next week. Thanks so much, everyone. Thank you.